0: Blog Talk
1: Radio. Oh, traffic comes but once a year. Each
0: tick of the clock, the time draws near when there'll be hope for every team in the National Football League. Piper and Boxbump paved hey, the way, predicting the names, Commish would say. Trastic's watching every day. Who are the prospects, where they play?
2: Down rankings,
0: box and craze. From mobile to indeed displays. seven rounds of fun. Whether it's just or relevant, number one. It's the Countdown, the NFL draft. podcast brought to you by DraftCountdown.com. My name is Scott Wright and this is the annual small school sleeper episode where we're going to talk about all of the top non-Division One prospects in this draft. We actually have an interview with a couple of them uh, in the coming hour or so. But uh, to to help you break down all these small school players, the, the best person I think in the world to do it, Josh Buchanan. A uh, longtime friend. He's been doing this for a long time, and I always say he covers the small schools like most people cover, USC, Michigan, Notre Dame, the big-time programs. Uh, so, Josh, welcome back to the show, as always. Uh,
3: appreciate it.
0: So, th- this is an interesting small school, crop, and and let's just start at the top, because I think it's It's shaping into it's kind of a one a one b type of situation in terms of who the top small school prospect in this draft is. and And we kind of have it in reverse order. For me, it's it's Eastern Washington wide Receiver Cooper Cup is your number one, or excuse me, my number one. And your number one is Adam Shaheen, the tight end from Ashland, who I actually had on a previous show and interviewed um uh, we have the same top two we just have in reverse order so i guess i'm interested what led to you giving shaheen the the slight nod over cup and uh and how close do you think they are do you think uh it it is one a one b do you think there is a distinction
3: no i think that it's one a one b um
0: I went Shaheen mainly
3: because I think there's a little more upside there um, and because, you know, it's a, you know, there's a lot of receivers out there. Receivers are more of a dime a dozen than tight end, especially a, a guy that, you know, a big body guy that can run and block um, uh, and catch. Um, Shaheen's not a really a one-dimensional guy. He could be a guy that could per- perhaps start for you, whereas you know, th- there are several guys that are of Cooper Cup's nature. So that's partly why I went there just thinking that maybe teams will go a little higher. You know, they, like Shaheen goes, you know, three, five picks ahead of Cup, But I, they're, they're not far. I think that they're – I would be surprised if one of them goes 15 more pick, – 15 picks higher than the other. I expect to be very close.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit in more, more in depth about both of these guys. And we'll start with Shaheen, since he's your number one. Uh, and he actually first came onto my radar through you, it, kind of by you. Like you often do with me, you like to tease me a little bit, Josh. And, and you'll tell me, oh, there's this really good offensive skill position player who's going pro as an underclassman. Then of course it takes me a week to dig around and find out who it was, but eventually I, I realized it was Adam Shaheen. You knew about that before everyone else that he was going pro, and uh, and he's one of those players. Josh, as soon as I watched the tape, I knew he was a really good prospect. And I basically after after my first few games watching him, I said third round. I thought was his grade, and he might end up outperforming that. I think there's a chance, like you uh, alluded to, that maybe he even goes into the second second round. But uh, uh, I think the tape was clear when you watched him that he was a legitimate high end talent despite the level of competition. And when I was doing my initial research on him, I went back and I I was trying to find clips of him. So I just searched for his name on YouTube and I found basketball clips of a guy named Adam Shaheen. And I watched the basketball clips. This guy scored like 25 points a game in high school. He was out there shooting three pointers. And I was like, this can't be the same guy because I just watched some, some, Games and this is a 280-pound tight end rumbling down the field, built like Rob Gronkowski, but it was in fact the same guy. He has really reshaped his body in the past few years, and it's kind of scary to think what his physical potential is once he gets an NFL uh, training program and, and and can really devote his full attention to it because he's made huge strides in the last three or four years uh like you said a a terrific all-around player a very good pass catcher he's even though he's bulked up so much he's retained that athleticism and 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 speed overall he's not blazing fast he's not Vernon Davis or David Joku or or someone like that but very good speed for a guy his size just a really good all-around player not not amazing blocker but I think he's got potential to be an above average blocker and and the willingness to do that so I'm a big fan of Shaheen and, and, and if he had been in the last two or three tight end classes, he might be one of the top three tight ends available, but this class is just so deep at the position. I think he's going to end up, uh, you know, maybe going around or two later than, than he maybe or going around later than maybe he even should. Even though he's still going to go on day two, but what, what are your thoughts on Shaheen? And, and just your background, when did, when he just, when did he first like come onto your radar and, and was it a similar experience for you where it was pretty obvious right away? Yeah, this guy's the real deal.
3: Um, actually no, it was not very obvious right away. He um first came on the radar his sophomore season um back in two thousand fifteen. Uh, you know, I thought he was, you know, a pretty solid player. I'm thinking, okay, he'll be a guy that we probably um you know, probably gonna probably gonna view him as a, you know, late round type of guy and then um then, you know, his senior year or his junior year you know, he it, 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 it comes at, you know, it, it's like he steps it up a notch. Like you said, he's really transformed his body in the last, what, three or four years. Um, I think he, he stepped up his play. Uh, one of the big differences from last year was that he was even tougher to bring down his run after uh, yards after catch and run after contact. Both are very good. Um, very yeah. productive guy in the red zone. Um, he, you know, he's very that's, strong, that's where good he reminds guy.
0: That's too, the way he like, carries yeah. blockers with him.
3: Yeah, and and so you're kind of thinking, um, you know, wow, you know, this guy's going to be. In fact, in fact, I was watching a little bit of him uh, during the season, and I'm thinking, man, he's probably going to be the, uh, you know, in the spring, I'm probably going to have him like the number two or three tight end in the entire country in the draft in his senior class. I'm thinking he might, you know, might be number, you know, as high as number two, depending on who comes out early, you know, because I was, you know, I was expecting, you know, several of these top juniors to come out. So I'm thinking, man, he'll be probably the number two senior in his class. And then, you know, when he comes out early, uh, I'm thinking, well, you know, he's still probably going to be in the top five or six because this tight end class was not great until the juniors came out, you know. And um, I think he actually upgrades his class. Um, uh, you know, next year's draft is going to be really good at tight end. And, and, but he would, he, you know. And you're talking about the tight he, he end class been up the small
0: schoolers.
3: No, I'm talking about overall. I'm talking about the overall tight end class. I mean, he was going to be like among all players. I'm thinking he's going to be, you know, like yeah. the number two tight end in the country next year. Like, period. You know, among seniors. Yeah. And then when he when he comes out early, then I'm, you know, um. And no, I mean, no question. He's the best tight end in small school level. Um, you know, yeah. it's hard to find guys. I it remind you of Gronkowski. Um, but uh, no, he, he's gotten so much better, and that you know. I was actually thinking if he comes back another year, he might sneak into round one. Um, I really believe he will go in two or early in the third. I don't think he gets past like 70 or 75. I think he um, comes off fairly quick. Um, and, you know, and you look at a lot of the other tight ends in this class, one thing he compares is there's not many like him. you got O.J. Howard and maybe a couple others, but a lot of one dimensional guys or undersized guys in this at all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like you're talking to some of the guys, he's going to maybe compete be competing with for draft positioning are are very different types of players. Whether it's Evan Ingram, whether it's Gerald Everett, Bucky Hodges, Uh, I think uh, I think Shaheen offers a much more well-rounded skill set than any of those types. So uh, let's talk about Cup, and he's been my number one from wire to wire. And I'm a big fan of Shaheen too. I, I can very easily make an argument the other way, but I guess I just stuck with Cuff just because of the polish and the consistency over the course of his career um, and, and incredibly productive player and we're going to get into a little bit more about Cooper Cuff's background and stuff when we talk to him later in the show but uh, as a player the type of guy who does really everything well there's not one noticeable huge weakness in his game that the one thing people are going to pick apart is the speed and he's not a blazer he ran four six at the combine and then I think he ran four five at his pro day and I think that's about where everybody expected him to be, but I think his speed plays up. I think he plays faster on the field than he runs in shorts and, and he does everything else. Well, he he runs excellent routes. He has outstanding hands. He's a hard worker. He's got a nose for the end zone. He was just dominated small school competition. And then when they, they did play the, the bigger schools, he stepped up and, and, and didn't skip a beat and, and wasn't intimidated and, and wasn't, and showed that he wasn't just a big fish in a small pond, uh, I, for, for me, there just isn't much not to like about Cooper Cup. And, uh, and, and I actually have him as my number four wide receiver in this entire draft. And to me, he's a legitimate top 50 overall pick. I, I'm just a big fan of his game. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on Cup? He, you cover small schools, he's been on your radar probably since his freshman year. T- tell us a little bit about his progression through his college career and, and your thoughts on Cup as a prospect.
3: Yeah, I mean, really the only negative is he doesn't have elite speed, but he's fast enough. You know, he can make you miss. He's got real good hands. Um, He can adjust to the ball well. Um, You know, I always said that when Vernon Adams was there that Vernon Adams leaving was a huge mistake because Cooper Cup made him look better than he really was, Um, that Vernon Adams was a good college player, but that's all he was, that the star was really cupping, and it was – the other thing, too, that's underrated about him, he's a really good return guy, really good punt returner. So, you um, know, I mean, he could probably come in and help you on special teams right away, probably be your number two or number three receiver, depending on how good your, your uh, receiving group is as a rookie. So, um, you know, he, he does everything well, nothing, where he's just truly deficient, you know. Uh, but he's a gamer. He's a guy that produced big against big-time um, uh, schools. Uh, played really well against Oregon. Um, you know, consistent guy. I think, like I said, the difference in him and Shaheen, you know, Cup's been what he's been. I think it's pretty safe to say you feel like he's going to be a good starter in the pros. You, you feel like that based on seeing him. He's been consistent throughout his career. Shaheen's just gotten a lot, lot better, and and it's almost like you know the, the ceiling is is a little bit higher on him. So I went with with Shaheen one, but you know, if you need a receiver, uh, you could argue Cup late round two. Over you know a lot of these you know a lot of these guys in round one possibly you know um, maybe go get a uh, an offensive lineman or a position that's tougher to to find guys at and, and get a Cooper Cup in round two I you know I am not sure that some of these other guys that people are talking about in round one are so so elite that you know you can't get a cup but, you know you can't pass on them get a guy at another position and you go for a guy like Cooper Cup in round two because I do, like I said I think he could come in and start right away.
0: Well, it might be a little bit of a hot take because I know Western Michigan wide receiver Corey Davis has a lot of fans, but just in terms of value, and I have Davis rated right ahead of Cup. Just in terms of value, I don't think there's so much of a drop off that I would rather have Cup in, say, the middle of round two than Davis in the middle of round one. Uh, uh, and and he, I think you kind of put the the debate between Cup and Shaheen in, in really good perspective or in a really good philosophical way, whereas we know what we're getting with Cup. He might never be, he's not going to be this number one. He's not Calvin Johnson. He's not that type of player, but you know, you're getting a really good number two, number three receiver. Whereas Shaheen might be a little bit more of a project, but he has a better chance of maybe becoming one of the top handful of players in the league at his position. And so, so it might just come down to, to to the uh, perspective of the evaluator, are they looking for uh, the bird in the hand or or the two in the bush uh, between those two? Yeah. uh, You really, you really can't go wrong with either.
3: Yeah. No, I mean, if you need a tight end badly and you're picking at 45 or 50 and Cup and Shaheen are both on the board and you've got them rated fairly close, you, you know, it can go that way or, you know, if you really wanted Corey Davis or Mike Williams in the first, and you missed out, you know, and you're picking at 42. I could see someone then coming in there and saying, you know, hey, let's, you know, let's go get Cooper Cup. Let's, you know, not wait and see if we can get him at the end of two or early three. Let's go get him now. Um, so, you know, it could, like you said, I said, mean, it could be really just what are you, what are you looking for? Because um, I could, you could go either route. You know, if I had two great tight ends, I like, and I got, and I'm at pick 55, but I'm then a receiver. I'm going to go Cup over Shanine. But, um, you know, like I said, the, the, the whole reason for me was purely that Shaheen maybe has a little bit better upside down the line, whereas we know we know Cup's going to be a good quality starter from day one, whereas Shaheen might can come in and be the number two and then be your long term you know, potentially could be your, you know, be your Gronkowski.
0: Well, and, and during the show, we're going to be alluding to my small school rankings, Josh's small school rankings. You can find both of those uh, at the website, draftcountdown.com, uh, and, and number three on both of our lists, Josh, is Villanova defensive end Tano Passano. But I think we're of a similar mind that there's a clear drop-off from Shaheen and Cup tiers, that tier down to this next group. Even though Passano might not come off the board too far after Shaheen and cup and, and I wouldn't even be shocked if there's a scenario where he's the first or second small school player off the board. I wouldn't agree with that, but I wouldn't completely rule it out. But I, I think, For me, Passano is going to get overdrafted. To to me, he's a very impressive physical specimen. He looks the part. He is everything you want him to be when it comes to physical tools. Uh, But I, I just don't think he necessarily plays up to them. I think he's a little stiff. I don't think he's an outstanding pass rusher. To me, he's the type of developmental player I'd love to draft at early day three, round four, round five. But if someone's going to take him in round three or, heaven forbid, even round two, that's just too rich for my blood. What are your thoughts on Passanoff?
3: Yeah, a little bit the same thing. Um, I think, in fact, I actually have a um, a fifth-round grade on him, but um, have him going, you know, in the fourth, but I actually believe he might even sneak into round three. Um, it would it would not shock me just because with that length and height, a lot of people are going to fall in love with that, um, feel like they can make him into something, because he is a player that's gotten a lot better while at Villanova, but you know, stiff, he plays high, and he still needs a lot of work, and I feel like you're drafting in the first three rounds where I think teams that make is, you know, you're going for, you take a project in the first three rounds, and to me, you, I've asked the good teams and the teams that are perennial playoff teams, and the one thing they've always told me is in the first three rounds, you better get starters, and I'm not sure Tano is a starter right now. I'm not saying he never could be, but I don't think he's a good starter right now, um, so, which is why I would wait, but Somebody that, you know, is going after upside. We've seen a lot of defensive ends like him, Michael Johnson, um, uh, you know, the the guy from SMU, Marcus Hood, a lot of these guys that were free tight and all, they go a lot higher than they probably should. That's why I say it wouldn't shock me if he did. But I think it would it would shock me if a playoff team took like him high like that. I think a playoff team maybe is going to be looking to get him in round four or, you know, maybe a pick 107 in the third or 105. But um, you know, I, I would personally wait. And I, that's why the same thing I've heard a lot of scouts and I trust say, you know, we've got them as a five, six, but we, we really believe someone's going to reach and take them in the third or maybe the late second.
0: Yeah, and, and and you can I mean you can kind of understand the mindset why someone would too because on paper I mean if you just looked at at the physical tools and, and saw a picture of this dude at a weigh-in or something you'd say that that's a first-round pick uh, he,
1: he or see him in like, person
0: how about that yeah,
1: <laughs> you yeah see exactly.
3: in I've seen him in person so I know what, you know I know what he looks like standing up to you so, and it's easy to fall in love I could see a coach seeing a workout and falling in love with him in a workout I could see that.
0: Um, well, while we're on the subject uh, of defensive linemen, pass rushers, uh, let's talk about Derek Rivers from Youngstown State because um, there's some chatter that maybe he could even sneak into day two. And uh, I-, I think we're on a similar mindset here too where uh, I think, you know, middle rounds, I, round four, round five, but uh, round, round three, that's a little too rich for my blood. And, and he's had a really good pre-draft process. I think he's done a good job of answering questions Uh, whether it be in the all-star game circuit, whether it be uh, at the scouting combine, uh, but a different type of player than Passano. I think whereas Passano is more of that, uh, he's going to be that defensive lineman, whether it be a base end in a 4-3 or a 5 technique in a 3-4, I think Rivers is probably going to end up being more of an outside linebacker. He's a little smaller, he's more athletic, he's faster, uh, and gives you a little bit more pass rush bend off the edge.
3: Yeah, I know. I mean,
0: Rivers is. Um, and, and, you
3: know, Rivers has been good uh, his, his entire time at Youngstown. And one thing where he maybe got lucky a little bit that helped him is uh, when Avery Moss showed up. Avery Moss yep. made it to where now you can't really slide over and just take Rivers out of games that, you know, now you got to – because Avery was not bad either, so – Derek got a got a little bit of benefit this year. Well, I think he, he was able to do a little more than he might have been in, in, in other situations because he didn't have anyone else on that defensive line. Um, you know, until Avery came, it looked like he wasn't gonna have anybody else, you know, to do much. So teams could just double team him and chip chip him and all that with running backs, whereas you got Avery, it's one on one and Derek eight people alive. Um, you know, like you said, I you know, I don't I'm not sure if he's going to be a end, and but maybe depends on the scheme. I viewed him as more of like a fifth, sixth-round type of guy, but um, mainly because, you know, I feel like that he's a guy that's going to be a backup to start out with, especially if he's moving the linebacker and then he, you know, transitions into, um, uh, you know, maybe becomes a starter down the line. But that, to me, that's what rounds four and five or four are guys that they have a chance to become a starter. Um, I need a definite starter right now in rounds one through three, and I just I don't think he's your definite starter right now. Especially if you're you know pretty solid at, you know um, on defense right now. You know if you're really weak and you don't have a whole lot, he'd probably come in and upgrade you a little bit. But um, I, I view him more as like I said, mid round guy. But um, but you know he's got upside. I mean, he's a good athlete. He's very productive. He's been good his whole career. Well. Uh, for three years there, but, you know, he redshirted, I believe, and in his first year as a backup or role player, he had some production, and then ever since then, he's just been dominant every year. So, um, you know, I, I don't think he's a, you see, well, he, he is now what you're going to get type of guy. I, don't, I think he could, you know, there is upside there to be better. I think that as good as he's been, and you, know, you feel like you know what you're going to see, I do think he's got a chance to be a lot better, and that, that's why I think some teams are viewing him maybe as a, Around three guy, I've heard him as going as high as like the middle, of the third or early third because of the uh, because of the upside there that you know he could be a little you know could even get a little bit better in the throws.
0: Well, and you mentioned his teammate at Youngstown State, Avery Moss, who was a transfer from I believe it was Nebraska, and and. You're right. They helped each other and really complemented each other well as well, I think. I think their games really meshed well together. And and, and Avery Moss has a chance to be drafted. I think he could very easily be a late-round pick in this draft. If not, he'll be a priority free agent. And uh, he also has acquitted himself quite well during this pre-draft process. So we just talked about Passano and Rivers. I, I... if it were you, Josh, if you're you're a GMC, you've got to take one of these two players in the third round. Which one would you take, Rivers or Passano? Because I might lean a little bit more towards Rivers, just because I think it gives you a little more pass rush juice, where...
3: I'd probably uh, take even Rivers,
0: though, yeah, because I, I, yeah. you
3: know, I, I, would, I would take Rivers, but I mean, it also depends on if you're a 3-4 team, you know, maybe you try to... as because they're different a, types a, of a players. Team, yeah, because they're different type, yeah. but you know, if, if, if all things are, are equal. I would probably take Rivers in that regard, but I think Tano is going to possibly come off the board a little earlier, and I also wouldn't be surprised, you know, upside on Tano, you know, like that, you know, look into his recruiting background, I mean, this is a guy that um, really was not not even a highly recruited player, not a guy that they expected um, at Villanova to come in and be what he ended up being, so um, you know, they thought they had a good one but, but they thought they had a chance to have a good one, I should say. They didn't you know, you people would be surprised. A lot of these smaller schools when they when they sign when they show up a lot of these sure. guys were not considered future NFL players when they first showed up. They became NFL players while they were there. Um whereas in wow. Alabama everybody is yeah, whereas at Alabama everybody's an NFL player when you show up. So, um, uh, you know, he was like that too, where Tano was a guy that just had you know, he was a backup. Um, when he first got there so um you know uh and he didn't really start on believe until his uh, junior year so um you know it's uh but but yeah i'm with you I, maybe rivers now just because i think there's a little more athleticism more upside but a lot of people think tano has got a lot of upside as well but um rivers can bend a little better he's a little more you know athletic got better flexion than Tano, and that's why i would you know if i was if I was personally picking, I would go there, even though I think Tyno will go ahead of him, which is why he's changed. Actually, in my rankings, I'm trying to put more or less where I think they're going to go, and that's why I put yeah. Tyno ahead of him.
0: Well, let's jump to the other side of the ball, because at the four and six spots in our small school rankings, we have the same two players just in reverse order. They both play the same position. They're offensive guards uh, Jordan Morgan from Kutztown and Jessamyn Dunker from Tennessee state. Uh, and I, I, I've mentioned in the past, it's always nice to have a Kutztown prospect in this draft. I think he's going to be the first Kutztown prospect drafted. It's John Mobley. in I believe it was 96. I, I, I'm old enough to remember watching that draft. So, uh, it's been a while for Kutztown, but they, they're definitely going to have one drafted this year. Uh, I gave the edge to Morgan. You gave a slight edge to, to Dunker. Uh, I guess, what are your thoughts on the two players? Uh, uh, what led to you giving Dunker maybe that slight edge, and is what order do you think they're going to come off the board? I think
3: that's the order they're going to come off the board. Um, Dunker, you know, really good player. A lot of people uh, underestimate, you know, you go back and watch the Vanderbilt film, you go back and watch, you know, when they play bigger schools. Dunker's actually been a, a good one. Uh, got to remember, too, he started out at Florida, so he was a guy coming out of high school who was very talented. He's not a late bloomer, whereas Morgan is totally a late bloomer. Um difference, though, I think um, Dunker is a little bit better of an athlete, so I think there's a little more upside with him than Morgan. But, um, you know, he's bigger, too. You know, Morgan's 6'2.5", Dunker, um, Dunker's 6'4". Dunker's going to run sub-flat. Uh, Morgan's a 5'3", top-four guy. Um, so I just, you know, for me it was Dunker ahead just because a little more upside there, a little bit better athlete. Um, a little more upside but Morgan you know he's a guy that um, really his junior years when he started to show it um, and then this year it just went from good to really good so um, you know I, I made a pin on what you're looking for I just think Dunker's maybe you know Dunker's also a guy too maybe athletic enough that that he could perhaps kick out there and play tackle he's got 33 and a half inch arms he's got an 80 and 3.8 wingspan so you know he's a guy that Maybe has a length if you depending on your you know your scheme and all, or depending on you know size preferences, he could be a tackle for you or a guard. I think Morgan's got to be a guard in the pros. Um, Morgan's got long arms at 34 inches and 81 wingspan, but only six two and a half. I don't think you're going to see uh, teams willing to maybe put a guy that's you know under six three at tackle, whereas Dunker's a little over six four, and that wouldn't be as much of a stretch. But I do believe both of them will will end up being guards though.
0: Well, and that basically covers the guys that you have with either an early or mid-round grade, so rounds five and up. And then after that, now you start getting into late rounds, in your opinion, where you think they're going to come off the board. And, uh, let's talk about a couple of guys that are tight ends, one it, tight end-ish. Uh, let's start with Eric Salbert from Drake, a player that I was really impressed with. And, and during the season, I didn't get to see too much of him, but I kind of got caught up on him when he was he had a strong showing at the, I believe it was the East-West Shrine game, and uh, a really talented player. I and, and, I think he might go a round or two earlier. I think you have a six. You have him in the sixth round. I wouldn't be shocked if he went in the fifth.
3: No, I wouldn't either. Um, in fact, I actually thought he got a lot better this year. I thought last year, you know, he's party free agent, um, but I thought this year he stepped it up a little bit more. Um, you know, he's a guy. I, I agree. I can see him going there. Plus, he's a good athlete. He's six five, two fifty plus. You know, he jumped thirty three inches. He ran basically a four seven flat. Um, you know, he's a guy. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think could could you know, you know really end up being a uh, really end up being a, uh, a a solid number two guy for you. And um, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, you know, the the only thing with him is you know, and like I said, he had a pretty good east west shrine, but. In the Pioneer League, you know, not really playing anybody. Nobody really was able to physically challenge him. And that, you know, when you're bringing them from that level, you always wonder, you know, at least, you know, when they're at the CAA or, or, or something or Missouri Valley, you get to see them against a Big Ten or an ACC team usually and get a little better gauge. With, with Eric, you really didn't get that gauge. But he's a really talented player. And um, part of, you know, when I think that my top three small school tight ends, I think all three of them are going to, you know, have, have good NFL careers. And so I would not be shocked if he um, ended up being, um, you know, ended up being a, a fifth-round guy and and, and, um, and uh, played a while in the league. I also, you know, one thing to keep in mind, too, doesn't have the size of Shaheen, but he can block and catch. So he, he's not a, a one-dimensional guy, which would help him out as well.
0: Well, and the other guy I was alluding to was Billy Brown from Shepard because wide receiver slash tight end, although he's made it pretty abundantly clear during the pre-draft process that he envisions himself as a wide receiver, not a tight end, which concerns me a little bit because in my mind, he is a true tweener in that. He doesn't have the speed and explosiveness to be a wide receiver, but I just don't think he has the physicality to, uh, to, to play tight end either. Uh, I, I, I'd, I'd be reluctant to draft Billy Brown where he's probably going to go. Um, and, and I have, him, I guess we have him in the same range, sixth or seventh round, but you have him considerably higher in your underclassmen rankings. I think you have him eight and I have him 16. So, uh, I guess, what are your thoughts on Billy Brown? I wasn't his biggest fan. I, I During the season, I had heard some mid-round talk, but when I really took a look at him, I, I just didn't see it. And, and the fact that he's reluctant to change positions, that makes me even a little bit more squeamish.
3: Yeah, you know, that, that, that's one thing, too. You know, I'll look at these one more time, and that's something that, that that I'll take into account with a lot of these guys. Who, you know, if they're trying to change, get him to change positions, and they just won't do it. Um, I've seen Billy Brown in person. Um, uh, I would would probably personally take Eric ahead of Billy. I I had it flipped because I'm thinking um you know Billy was a little more dominant in college um than Eric was. I mean not saying Eric didn't have a good career because he did. Um Billy was a guy that, you know, even in the in the playoffs and he played, you know, they played against some really good D2 teams with you know which honestly you know the the level he played in the playoffs in Division Two was very similar to what Eric played in the Pioneer League. So, you know, you get a guy like Billy and you see what he does in the championship game. He's just a dominant player nobody could stop. But like you said, he's not willing to move to tight end. Uh, a lot of people are going to want to put him at tight end. And, and if he's not willing to, that could cause him to fall. And, and um, you know, I, I would tell him to look at what the Kansas State quarterback and some of these others have done that, that Colin Klein and all them that said. They wouldn't move. They didn't get drafted. So, um, you know, I, I was even debating put, putting Billy 7-PFA, but I was going to give him the benefit of the doubt and see what he does, maybe if he changes his tune at all. Because if, you know if he's not willing to play whatever they want him to play, you know, uh, there's teams that will just completely take him off the board. And you know he didn't test freakishly either. That was another thing about him. Um, so we'll see. But um, you know, I, I you know he's big, strong dude. But you know, uh, Drake is strong as well. So um, you know, there's really and, and he's a bit, little bit better athlete. So um, I you know I think. Um, you know, I, I I think it depends on you know I, they're both well I think the shepherd receiver is more of a tweener, but you know I. Yeah. I mean, if he's not if he's not willing to change positions, actually that that is that's gonna be a very tough one.
0: um and it's, it's Well the, the, the sixty four thousand uh, dollar question then is is what what type of role do you envision for Brown? If you were calling the shots, what, I think what he's would a he tight end, but you know, I I, I
3: think he'd be like a h-back back type, type, like a Jordan and Reed like type. Yeah, a move tight end, yeah, move tight end type yeah. of guy. That's what I'm thinking. But you know, if he's not willing to do that role, I, I you know, I call him and ask him say, Hey, we want you to be this you know, we got a fifth or sixth, or sixth round pick or whatever. You know, if he said, you know, if he said, you know, if he's not willing to do that. Or I talked to him before the draft, and if he's not willing to do that, then I'm taking him off the board completely um, because that's what I'm thinking. He is, but you know, um, somebody's going to draft him. I mean, he's too big and too strong. I mean, even with that, I would think that someone still takes him and tries to, you know, guarantee themselves him because he's got ability, but. Um, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see because I, I don't I don't know why he would I don't know why he would be against that. I think the Jordan Reed role would be really good for him. and I think he could do it. You know, um, uh, you know he he's a very productive guy, especially in the red zone. You know, he's got a lot of touchdowns for them. So I I don't you know that that baffles me that he wouldn't even be willing to make the move because I think it actually would would help him because he's not fast enough to play out there on the edge. I'm not sure he's no. got the twitch to be out there and be a flanker or a slot guy, but being as a move tight end, create mismatches, get him against linebackers, I think he could eat their lunch all day long if he wanted to.
0: Yeah, and, and I agree with you on the the role. I think he should be an H-back type, and, and anybody that drafts him for that role, they're not going to be doing so with blocking being a priority. You know what you're getting him, but I just wonder, is he going to have the minimal level of physicality required to to be a tight end, even though if it's a tight end kind of in name only because he's going to be more of a pass catching threat. He's going to be so one dimensional that, uh, that, that you just can't use him? That, I guess that's my big concern, with Billy Brown, but, uh, but it's hard to argue with the results of the pass catcher. Like you said, very productive pass catcher. And he can get the job done in that regard. I, I think it's just a, uh, it's one of those situations where a team's really got to maybe dig a little deeper and try to figure out, you know, how to maximize his talent. Uh, yeah, and the player we haven't talked about too uh, ahead of both those guys near rankings is Ezra Robinson, the cornerback from Tennessee State, and and you know we haven't talked about a DB yet, and, and and more often than not, it seems like that's the positions corners and safeties that that make the best transition to the next level historically. Like if you're going to narrow down one area of small school prospects that we're going to make the transition, there's usually lots of good corners and DBs. Not necessarily the case this year. We might not have any till the later rounds. Um, Ezra Robinson's right there in the mix to be that first guy off the board. Brendan Langley from Lamar, uh, two guys who's transferred from, from bigger schools. Uh, in Robinson's case, uh, I believe it was Michigan State. And in Langley's case, it was Georgia. Two physically talented kids. Uh, what, what separates those two in your mind, Josh? Um, you know, I think Ezra, um, the,
3: the best way to put it, I think, you know, Ezra's probably – um, you know, and I don't want to give away too much here um, in regards to some of the stuff that can't really talk about. There are some off the field things there that differentiate. Um, Ezra also, you know, did transfer because of some off field issues. There are some things with, um, you know, there that you know that was part of it. I just I know that Langley can be a little bit, you know, a little a little bit a little bit tougher to deal with on some things, so I'm sure that he's, you know, a guy, you know, there's – I really don't want to go into details, I mean, because it sounds like I'm a vain question, but there's some things I don't really want to put out there on, yeah. on Langley or Ezra publicly yeah. uh, that, are, that I believe will ding them for what their talent it is. is. Um, uh, yeah, there's some intangibles there, but, um, you know, like both are good athletes, I think um, – You know, one thing that Langley – Langley's got pretty good ball skills, which he showed as as a senior. Um, He can return and play corner. So that's a thing that goes in his favor. I think Ezra is a guy that maybe isn't as flashy, but he was a guy that really, you you know, when he got a chance to, he picked it off. He took two of them back for touchdowns this past year. He showed, you know, after being in the system there at Tennessee State a couple years, he showed that, you know, who could dominate this past year, which he did. But, um, you know, in both cases, I think they have, like, third fourth round ability. But I think that they're probably going to go later because of either intangibles or, um, you know, the fact too. you know, here's the other thing. But um, but one thing I'll say on both players, both of them are not one-year guys at their schools, but they both took some time before they actually got it going. It took them two or three years before – they were able to actually put together a big time season. So you kind of, you know, you look at them and say, well, maybe football intelligence wise, it'll take them a little while longer. So that's why I have both of them later. I feel like maybe some of the stuff on Langley that, um, you know, he was a guy that I think, you know, he, you know, to 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 put him in contrast, similar athletically, Langley's a little stronger more of a return man. Ezra's probably got a little bit better ball skills, or at least um, you know a little better man coverage skills. Um, Langley is is, is going to go kind of do his own th- own thing a little bit more um, and take some chances, and you know he he had a lot of picks from it. But um, I just I'm just thinking right now I'm thinking Ezra goes slightly ahead of him, although I still think both of them are really you know sixth seventh round guy.
0: Then there's a bit of a drop-off in terms of small school corners, I think. And, and those are probably the only two that are favorites or likely to get drafted. And there's a very good chance there might be others. But just in terms of if you're trying to narrow down who's definitely going to be drafted, I think they'd be at the top of the list. And, and then there's some question marks. I know you like Jamal Agnew out of San Diego. Uh, do you think he's the, the next most likely corner to be drafted? Or is there somebody else you have in mind? Well, well I
3: think Ezra and, and, and Brendan are the, the, the best athlete, like the best, you know, measurables, everything, athletically, talents, all that. But then if you want to get into, like, Jamal Agnew is probably a better just football player, not athlete, not better freak, but a better football player. Now, he ran a 4 3 at his pro day. He's probably going to get drafted, I think, now. In fact, I heard about that um, after I kind of finalized this, this first draft. I mean, I may push him to, like, the sixth round. Um, uh, you know, but, um, but, you know, he's just a really good football player. Mm-hmm. He's quick, he's fast, he can, you know, he can make plays, he can run and, you know, he's been a very, cons- one thing over the other is he's been a consistent guy. He can do, you know, he can do, he's a guy that's been able to to produce and dominate year in, year out like a Cooper Cup, you know, Billy Brown, you know, he's had more than just one year of pro- production. So I think he's got a good shot.
0: All right, we're going to take a little break here and bring in my guest. Uh, it is one of the players we were talking about earlier in the show, uh, Eastern Washington wide receiver, Cooper Cup. Cooper, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thank you for having me.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. I know it's a busy time for you. Uh, so just give people a little perspective. Uh, we, we talked about your game earlier in the show, but one thing we did mention is about your pro bloodlines. You, uh, your grandfather uh, is in the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame. Jake was an offensive lineman. Uh, your father, Craig, was a, a, a former fifth-round pick, I believe, in the 1990 NFL draft. So you're coming from NFL stock. Uh, and, and let's start there. I guess growing up, did, did you kind of comprehend that uh, my relatives played in the NFL, and, and did you aspire to that, or was it just kind of normal for you?
2: Yeah, well, actually, they didn't really talk about it a whole lot. Uh, it was kind of something you had to be coaxed out of them. Um, and, you know, as, a, as you my, my passion for football grew, you know, then it became something where I would know, ask more questions about it. But like there was always that helmet, those big saints helmets in the basement of my grandpa's uh, house and um you know my dad would always c he'd come home from work and we'd go out and throw the ball around and so there's always that passion there, but you know, they didn't really talk about uh their experience a whole lot. Um uh, it was more they were just dad and grandpa and uh just supported me and everything I wanted to do. Uh so it was fun though when you know, when I finally did um, find my passion for, for football and, and uh, started pursuing that to have them come alongside me was pretty cool.
0: So you kind of found your way to the game by yourself uh, in high school. What positions did you play? Do you play wide receiver exclusively? Did you play other positions? Did you play other sports? What kind of athlete were you in high school?
2: Yeah. So I, my freshman year, I was a quarterback. Uh, then my sophomore, junior, senior year, I, was, I played receiver. Uh, I also played a little bit of middle linebacker, safety. I kind of played all over the place. Uh, we, were, we weren't a great high school. We didn't, we didn't win a ton of games. So, um, you know, with 175 pounds paying, playing Mike, uh, it's not usually going to work out so well. Uh, but, you know, we made it work a little bit. Um, you know, I, I did play basketball. Our, our senior year, we won state up here in Washington State um, in basketball and was able to play against Zach Levine uh, actually in the quarterfinals and uh, got W against him, which was pretty cool, uh, pretty cool experience. And uh, obviously seeing where he's at now is pretty cool, too.
0: Well, I actually live in Minnesota, so I see Zach Levine on a, a, day, uh, on a yearly basis here, and, and that is one incredible athlete. He, he is the bounciest player I think mm-hmm. I've ever seen, or, or right up there. So coming out of high school, how do you end up at Eastern Washington? Did you have other offers? Were you just a late bloomer? Talk a little bit about your journey to Eastern Washington, because that's the first thing people ask when they see a smaller school player. Why aren't you at USC or Michigan? And for, what was your story? Yeah. How did you end up at a smaller level?
2: Yeah, so uh like I said, my school wasn't very successful in football. We had forty straight years of not having a winning season. Uh so it was one of the kind of under recruited areas. Um not a whole lot of good things going on, uh, kind of law gang activity and um violence at, at the school and the area that uh the school was at. And uh so that didn't help. But um, you know, I only had two offers coming out at Eastern Washington and Idaho State, both FCS schools and um but was very blessed to step into a, a place at Eastern Washington with some very good coaches and very good players that I, I got to learn from them, um, which is a, a, a great thing for me. Um, I had a blast doing that.
0: Well, give us a little self-scouting report. Uh, how would you evaluate your game? Give us a little breakdown of maybe your strengths, what you bring to the table, maybe some areas you're trying to improve on. And, and also, is there an NFL player that you would compare yourself to if you were trying to put a pin on and say, you're, get, you're getting this type of player?
2: Yeah, well, you know, uh, in, first in terms of the players that I look up to, there's, there's three guys I watch a lot of film on. You know, Larry Fitz, Gerald Antonio Brown, and AJ Green. And they all play the position very differently. Um, but you know, wide receiver is an art form. It doesn't have to be. There's not one way to do it. There's multiple ways to, to, to play the position, and uh, they all do it very differently. Uh, Larry Fitz understands how to use his body to get open. He understands coverage, and um, you know, is able to still at his age that he is and been playing so long, maybe not moving as well as he was like to, he's still able to create separation and, and be a very dominant receiver. Uh, Antonio Brown's the opposite, where he kind of, he's quick. He knows how to set guys up using his quickness uh, to create that separation and make plays. And, and A.J. Green, where he does the first two very well, but really he's, his biggest thing to me is being able to create separation at the point of attack in terms of uh, using his lengths to, to, to go get balls that most guys can't, can't get. Um, and so for me, I try to pull each of those things into my game um, and try to incorporate them and uh, and use them to the best of my ability. And uh, my biggest thing, I pride myself on creating separation. There's never a situation or no coverage, no um, no route where I want I feel like I can be covered. I want to be um, able to get open in every situation. So that's really I think the strength of my game.
0: Well, you say separation is so important in your game. What's like one or two tricks in your bag of tricks? How do you get separation? Because, and we're going to talk a little bit about the speed. It's overblown. Uh, like, I, like I mentioned, I couldn't care less what you run in a 40-yard dash because I think you play plenty mm-hmm. fast enough. But but what is the key for you gaining separation on the field?
2: Well, I think the first thing, it starts with understanding leverage and coverage. If you understand defensively what they're trying to take away, and you can attack that, it helps you out as you're, as you're going through your route. So the first thing is, I you know, if I step to a scrimmage, I want to understand what defense is going to do. It's going to give me a great idea of how I'm going to get open. Uh, once I have that figured out, it's about attacking, getting my leverage, or, um, or getting the DB to open up, turn his hips away from where I'm trying to go. If so I can get a DB to open up to his right, um, and I'm breaking out to, to, uh, you know, to his opposite, to his back, you know, he's going to have to flip his hips, and now he's a step behind. And really, in my in my mind, the DB should always be a step behind because I know where I'm going. He's always reacting off of me. So as long as I'm using my leverage uh, right, then he's always going to be a step behind. And, and I can really uh, feel good in and out of my breaks, um, being smooth and quick out of That uh, In that one step that he's taking to react, I'm just creating yards of separation for the quarterback. And um, So that's the big thing for me is that one understanding coverage, whether the defense is taking away, gaining leverage, and then being smooth in and out of your break, Uh, to create that separation. I want to create separation to the point where when I catch the ball, I'm not catching the ball and just getting tackled. I'm catching the ball and able to rack it. I'm creating so much separation. I'm able to make a move, and I'm trying to score every time I hit the ball.
0: You know, a year ago, you were one of the legit small school underclassmen who could have gone pro early uh, as a junior. Uh, And I guess maybe talk a little bit about that decision at that time, just when you were debating whether to go pro or return for your senior year, and and since then, is there one specific concern that maybe you heard the league had or scouts had about you that you've been working to address in the last twelve months?
2: Yeah, so you know, that, it was a very tough decision to come back. Um, you know, it was one of my wife and I spent a lot of time praying about. And, um, you know, a few things that really stood out to us as we're going through that uh, process was, you know, thinking about where we want to be a year from now. You know, as we're, heading, we're making this decision up in, but where do you see yourself a year from now? And I saw myself a year from now, from then I guess, pursuing a national championship, and uh, having the opportunity to do that. I thought we had a team that was in place that could really um, get there. We had a very special team, and we, you know, we came up just so close, uh, so close to, to getting there this last year. But that was one thing. Is being able to pursue that with with my with my guys, with the guys I've been grinding with for the last four years. Um, another part of that was I just believe that it was where, you know, God had a plan for Ann and I here uh, to be around these people and to be around this community and uh, to get to know the people that we did and uh, be able to reach out to um, the schools and the, the people here. Um, you know, I think that was something that was really important to us. So uh, that was kind of the reason for coming back. And uh, in terms of hearing, you know, kind of things I want to work, that, that I need to work on, I've always taken the attitude that I'm going to be my biggest critic. There's nothing anyone's going to tell me that I'm not going to be harder on myself about. And so, uh, you know, coming out this last year, I took it as if I was redshirting again. I wanted to make sure every offseason I'm earning my spot over again and, and, you know, expanding on what I did the year before. Uh, So, you know, every part of my game was under construction. I was pushing myself in in, in every part to be the best receiver I could be when I stepped on the field uh, in 2016.
0: Well, and – It's really hard to make the the big fish in a small pond case for you because whenever you played in in the bigger ponds, you were one of the big fish there too. Uh, Especially, I I think I read a stat that in in four games against Pac-12 competition, you had 11 touchdowns. And and specifically, there's one game I want to go back to 2014. If you remember, you played Washington, uh, and they had a couple of corners by the name of Marcus Peters and Sidney Jones, uh, two guys who know Mm -hmm. what they're doing, both first-round talents. Uh, you finished that game, uh, if I'm correct, eight receptions for 140 yards – or 145 yards, excuse me, I don't want to shortchange you – and three touchdowns, and there's multiple examples of that where you stepped up against the better competition. But I guess that game in particular, if you remember anything, what did you take away from playing against two players like Peters and Jones that, that helped you develop?
2: Yeah, well, that that was an incredible team. Um, I mean, that and that defense as well was, was – uh, very special, right? Remember, I mean, Danny Shelton, you had Danny Shelton on the front line. You had Shaq Thompson at linebacker. Uh, you know, Kevin King was out at at uh, at safety, I believe, at the time. Um, so, you know, you they had some very talented players on that defense, and uh, we knew that coming into it. You know, but we prepared the same way we would any other game, and just went out there and played our played our game, played what we know we're good at. And, um, I mean, I think even Buddha Baker was a freshman on that on that team um and I was playing and so uh you know the big thing coming out of that was i mean we we came out of that we came into the game knowing the players that we are we came in knowing the uh, work we had put in and the kind of players without the kind of offense we were and coming out of that you know it's just kind of re, uh you know confirmation that you know we can play this game at a very high level that um you know we step on the field we believe we're the best on the field uh, you know i step on the field i believe i can't be stopped and and that's the attitude we took as a team. When we stepped on the field, we believed we were going to go down and score. And um, For us, it was, a, it was a big confidence boost and kind of confirmation as to um, the beliefs that we had in ourselves going up against that, uh, you know, very um, exceptional defense and being able to do what we did.
0: Well, let's get in and talk a little bit about the draft, the pre-draft process here. And, and the first question, now that you've been kind of, in this NFL, quasi-NFL world for the past few months, whether it be the All-Star Games, the, the pre-draft training, the scouting combine, is there anything that you've noticed maybe about your game that you think you might have to change in the NFL? Is, is there anything you've noticed, oh, okay, this is going to be a different world, I'm going to have to tweak this? Uh, any any revelations, I guess, in the, the past few months?
2: Yeah, you know, as we've gone through, you know, watching film and stuff like that, uh, I think, I mean, I think anyone would say this, um, but I, I think, it's all at this next level, it's All about getting to where you're going faster. If I can get to where I'm going, where my uh, landmark is you know, at, quicker before that clock goes off, and, and it's not necessarily that you're, you're running faster to your spot. It's understanding how to get there quicker, if that makes sense. It's understanding mm-hmm. where guys are going to be at, what your decision-making is going to be, how you're going to make your adjustments, how you're going to get off the press, how you're going to get off of a reroute, you know, getting in and out of your brakes quick. That's getting to your spot clear because the quarterback's got guys bearing down on him. He's going to, you know, he's going to step back. there. He's going to expect you to be where you need to be. And he's going to put the ball there. And if you're not there, then he's got to get a move on or he's going to be taking a shot or trying to escape. And and so, um, you know, the biggest thing for me was is making sure that, you know, when that ball snapped, I'm making sure my alignment and assignment are, are down to, down and good to go. And then I'm getting to my spot as quickly as possible and, and giving my quarterback an opportunity to get the ball out and, and, and go make plays.
0: Well, you had the opportunity to, to take part in the senior bowl experience. I believe the first player from your program since Michael Roos, who obviously had an outstanding pro career for the Titans. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. What was that senior bowl experience like throughout the week with the practices? What, what was your biggest takeaway? I'm sure you learned so much, but is, is there one thing that maybe stands out above everything else, your takeaway from that week?
2: Uh, you know, it was just a, it was a fun time. Um, you know, I think one thing that stands out to me um, you know, was being able to learn from NFL coaches for the first time, being able to get coached by those guys and being around some um, very good receivers um, as well. And um, I had a great time uh, down there with, uh, you know, two guys, especially Zay Jones and Trent Taylor. Uh, we connected pretty pretty quickly and, and pushed each other. And there was a, you know, it's it's a mutual, um, you know, we, we all want each other to succeed. And, and that's, I think, mm-hmm. what uh, is pretty special about uh, that week is, um, the understanding that we're pushing, we're striving for the same thing. Uh, we want each other to be the best that we can possibly be. And so having, um, having guys down there that were um, constantly pushing you to be the best you can be and, and, and challenging you to be that uh, was something that really stood out to me. And there um, you know, were some very good receivers and those two guys really stood out to me.
0: Well, I always uh, say players no players. So, put on your general manager hat and one player that you saw other than yourself at the Senior Bowl, who would you, who would you be targeting the draft? Whether it's on your team, offense, defense, the other team, uh, who really stood out to you at the Senior Bowl?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with my guys Um You know, I, I really enjoyed uh, playing the game with him. Um, You know, being able to uh, – we finally got our – during the actual Senior Bowl game, I uh, got an opportunity to be on the field at the same time, and that was just a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, you know, I really respect him and, and his game. And, um, you know, I think, I think, I thought he was a very good player. So I, I'm going to go with Zay Jones.
0: And, and, and on your team, who was like the alpha dog? Cause all, all these great players together in one locker room, everyone's an alpha, but who kind of took charge of the locker room? Is there anybody that kind of stood up for you?
2: Uh, at the senior bowl? Yes. Um, you no, know, it's, it's different. You know, you got, uh, you got like during the during the week you know, you're going against each other you know like you're in the you're sharing the locker room but you're competing just as if you were going like you were playing the defense out there out out there for the game if that makes sense so it was kind of a different dynamic during the week um so it's not really like there's the locker room presence is kind of different um by saying you know during the game um you know when the game time comes down it's time to go uh being able to step up and, and uh you know, be a leader in terms of, you know, making sure your guys are good to go, making sure that uh they the um, that your guys are locked in on, on their alignment, their assignment, uh what they need to be doing. Um, you know, I was lucky enough I was uh, I was lucky enough to be uh voted a captain for the game, um you know, by uh the coaches and um that was something that was pretty cool for me. Um so, you know, you you get all these guys together, you're only there for so long. Uh, but being able to be a boarder captain really was something that was pretty special for me to do um, and, and to be a part of. And that was a, it was a great honor for me. So I don't want to say it was one like alpha dog that stepped up uh, and did that. You know, it was all guys working, pushing each other, um, you know, to be the best we can be. So you try to go out and get W.
0: All right. The scouting combine experience. Uh, every player I think comes away with it, with, with a unique story. Even if you go in knowing to, what to expect, it seems like there's always uh, something that happens that, uh, that surprised them, blows their mind a little bit. Was there anything for you, whether it be something you weren't expecting, whether it be meeting a, a player or, or a coach or somebody you admired? What What was your favorite story from the, the scouting combine experience in Indianapolis?
2: Yeah, well, uh, actually, uh, one of the coolest things, I think, was uh, I was going through, I was meeting with the Dolphins, and they you know, was going, walked into the room. You only have a little bit of time, so you shake everyone's hand real quick and introduce yourself, and you're going – and, uh, about halfway through introducing people, I, I was shaking guys hands and it was Dan Marino that just happened to be there. And, uh, you know, so that was a pretty cool, was a pretty cool thing for me to be able to meet him, um, and have him sit in on that meeting.
0: Just a little bit of a surreal experience seeing, uh, shaking hands with Dan Marino.
2: <laughs> yeah. It was uh, amazing. okay. So
0: to, to wrap up, I, I have just a few kind of quick hit questions. Uh, uh, first of all, before I get into normal quick hit questions, i got to ask, how sick are you of answering questions about your speed and how fast you are? Because that's probably all you've heard for the last year, right? That's all people want to talk about? Yeah.
2: That's all <laughs> they
0: want to know. You, you
2: know it's you're glad, the, you're combine glad we coming don't around, worry, that's what they know. Yeah.
0: You know, But like I said, I, I, regardless, whether it was 4, 6, whatever at the combine, or 4, 5 at your pro day, I, I think your speed plays up. So for me, my evaluation it didn't factor at all, but uh let's get into the questions. It's kind of some quick hitter questions here just to get a little bit of a feel for you as a person. So starting from the okay. countdown, number three, what's your favorite movie?
2: Uh favorite movie, uh Run of Titans.
0: Okay. Uh number two, what's your guilty pleasure when it comes to music? Is there a song or an artist that you have on your on, on your rotation that maybe your teammates would uh give you grief about?
1: No,
2: I don't I don't think so. I mean if I were on music like I I think, I mean, this is a little different, but I really like the Lumineers, like Mufford and Sons. It's a little different, but, you know, I, I enjoy the
0: music. All right, number one, what would you do with a free day away from football? You can do anything in the world. What would you like to do with your free day?
2: Oh, geez, you know, I'd just spend it with my wife, maybe go up hiking, uh, you know, find something fun to do with her.
0: All right, and last question before I let you go, what do you love about football?
2: And it's what I was made to do. It's just, you know, from as early as I can remember, um, you know, football is what I've done. It's been um, what I do in my free time because it's what I I love. So, um, you know, what I love about football is that uh, I find my fulfillment. I find, you know, so much um, satisfaction. I find that, you know, this is what God created me to do. I can feel his pleasure when I play it. And I think ultimately that's the reason I love it.
0: All right, Cooper, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Best of luck on draft day and, and your career going forward.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, take care. And that was Eastern Washington wide receiver Cooper Cup, who's going to be either a second or third round pick in the upcoming two thousand seventeen NFL draft and who has been my number one small school prospect from uh from from start to finish. Uh and, uh as you can tell, a very impressive Person too, as good of a player as he is, uh, you know, bring my my buddy Josh Buchanan back into the discussion here. Josh, you can tell that he really has his head on right, he has his priorities straight, and in um, that he's got the intangibles that are necessary that are to maximize his potential at the next level. You can tell he's a very cerebral player, and, and he understands what he's going to have to do to be successful in the NFL. Yeah,
3: you know, another thing too um,
0: that you won't hear a lot of people bring up,
3: but something to consider. Um, you know, he's you know, he's married and um you know, you look at some guys and say, Well, they're probably you know, you're too young to get married and you know, I, I tell a lot of people don't ever get married before you're thirty. In his case he's he's mature enough too and you can tell it. Um and, and uh um it, you know, just just hearing his deal that it seems like he and his wife truly like they you know he's found the right one, he knows he recognized it. And, you know, he's got a mature marriage. You know, he's, he's mature enough to, to be married, where some guys, I think, get married at that age, and they're not. He's got that, you know, so you can tell that he's, you know, intangible-wise that he, he's going to be there. And, you know, you know, he's accountable, too. He's one of those guys that I think his two biggest, well, his biggest loves in his life and what it sounds like when you talk to him, you know, his fate, his family, which includes his you know wife and his parents and siblings and all. And football, and and he, I think he's the type of guy that you don't have to worry about him going out and partying or doing the wrong things. He sees
1: when when he gets
3: done at the facility, he's going to go home to his wife. And um, uh, I think you know you know what you're going to get in it. You know you're going to get a pro, and he'll probably be a leader in the locker room pretty early on, pretty early on. I mean by his second year, I'd expect him to be one of the the, the leaders on the offensive, we so well, really in the entire locker room.
0: All right. In in a couple of minutes here, we're going to talk with Albany state defensive tackle Grover Stewart. So, so let's chat a little bit about his game, Josh. I know you are a big fan of his and and, um, he's just now a month before the draft really starting to generate a lot of buzz. I've I've heard talk about maybe as early as maybe the fourth or fifth round. Um, And I'll let you talk about a second. I'll just kind of give my brief thoughts on him because I went back before the show, just do a little bit more prep and rewatch some of uh, some tape of him and first of all, just a really impressive looking physical specimen. He, he, he at the NFL PA uh, collegiate bowl, he checked in at six, four and a quarter, 347 pounds. He's got long arms, but even though he's almost 350, he carries it really well. He's, he's got an athletic build. He he doesn't have a big belly or anything of, a, of that nature. Uh, a good, I think he's quick off the snap, uh, good athlete. He can move up and down the line. I think he could either be a nose tackle, maybe even a five technique and a three, four defense. And, You watch him on that that defense, and he's one of those players, Josh, that just physically he stands out. It's almost like you're watching a senior in high school playing against a bunch of sophomores just in terms of their stature. Uh, He he just stands out uh, as a physical specimen. And, boy, he's going to be a pretty intriguing day three pick. And uh, who was it? Rodney Gunter went, I believe, in the fourth or fifth round a few years ago. If he can go that early, I don't know why Stewart couldn't. But I'm going to let you talk a little bit about Stewart because I know you've been on his bandwagon for a while.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, um is an interesting guy. Um, you know, when you watch him as a junior, I'm thinking, okay, probably a, a free agent. Um, this past year, though, I thought he kind of took it to another level. He got he attracted a lot of double teams. He still showed up. You know, I mean, he had high motor guy, constantly seeing him uh, push the pocket, get penetration. Also, invited, you know. Um, incredible, you know, strong enough at the point of attack. You know, he can hold up against a double team and, um, and not get blown off the ball. Um, and, and a guy that just, you know, like you said, carries it really well, too. I mean, he's a massive man, that, but, he, you know, you can tell that he's a hard worker because his, his body isn't very sloppy. Um, and just when, when you're around him, you know, when he was in, in L.A. at the NFL PA bowl you know, he's, he's a kind of a lunch pail guy. You know, he's not a flash guy, a guy that's going to stand there and really want to bring attention to himself. But you can tell he loves to play the game. He loves to dominate in the trenches, and he brings that. Um, I think he's got everything he wants. He's just a little bit raw, and he's do, improve his use of hands, his technique. He can play high a lot. But um, the upside there, uh, I'm expecting him to go in the sixth or seventh round. But if someone took him in the fourth or fifth, I, I wouldn't be shocked um and I wouldn't call it a reach whereas I thought Gunter was a little bit of a reach I I I actually think you know like you said if Gunter can go around four this guy could go in four or five for sure
0: all right well let's bring in the man himself and talk with them uh Grover Stewart defensive tackle from Albany State welcome to the show
1: hey how you doing
0: well we're doing excellent thank you so much for coming on I know it's a busy time of the year for you so uh so let's get let's start with your background a little bit. Uh, talk to us about high school. Were you a multi-sport athlete? Uh, and, and how what did you do in high school? What positions did you play? And how did you end up at Albany State?
1: Well, in high school, I did track, uh, played basketball and football. Um, I um, played offensive tackle, defensive tackle, and a little bit of tight end. I played center and shot, well, basketball and and track i throw at the shot put and this because i was a state champion in that
0: excellent and multi-sport uh, athlete always like to hear that sir always like to hear multi-sport athlete a uh, well-rounded athlete so yes, coming out of high school then uh albany state what types of offers did you have what kind of options were available to you at that time in terms of continuing your football education
1: well Well, like I had different um, type of D1 schools come and check me out and everything, Uh, but I guess like my test scores, the ones that got me, I took the test late, so Albany State was the only one waiting on me, and Mm -hmm. that's how I got in. And
0: and we're joined here, too, uh, Grover, by our, by, uh, our mutual friend, Josh Buchan. I believe you know him. So, Josh, I'll let you grab a couple questions here with Grover.
3: Yeah, Girl remember, how's it going, man? It's all right. I'm going
0: good. <laughs> good, good. Um,
3: yeah, um since like I like since since the All Star game, um you had a great pro day. I know that. What was the
1: biggest thing you were
3: working on um this off season in preparation for you know, prior to the All Star game and then to get ready for pro day?
1: Um, it's re- like I just got like a lot of meetings and things like that, like meeting with teams and Like working out on my own because I don't have like a place to work out down here in my hometown. Oh, so where are? Okay,
3: so you are you working out? Um, you're not working out on campus at Albany, then.
1: No, so I'm I'm down here in Camilla, Georgia, working out at the time gym.
3: Okay, okay, wow. Um, just goes to show you, you don't have to go to a fifteen thousand dollar training facility to put up freakish numbers. Um, Yes, sir. uh, Um. When like when you like when you went to pro day, what was the biggest thing in terms of I guess position drills or testing? What was the your biggest focus? I mean, you know, you, we know you're strong, so I'm sure the bench wasn't a huge worry for you. But were, were 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 you more worried about the shuttles or more worried about position drills or what was your bigger biggest focus in terms of the pro day? In terms of you know going out there and showing something pro day wise, did you feel like you had something that you really needed to prove?
1: Uh, I really was just prepared for Pro Day. I was ready for it because I didn't go to the combine or get invited or nothing like that. So I really just was prepared so anything came my way, I was ready to dominate it, like show what I had to do. And you had 24
0: NFL teams were at your Pro Day to, to witness that. So you had a big crowd of uh, interested observers.
1: Yes, sir. It, it was a good experience for me and the guys that came out to uh, participate in the Pro Day. So, like, I really enjoyed myself there. Did you have any D-line
3: coaches come?
1: Yes, it was like about, I want to say like eight, about eight to ten defensive line coaches on there. Oh, okay.
0: So, that, that, all those me. NFL teams represented there, Grover, what type of player are they going to be getting? Get, give us a little bit of a scouting report. What are your strengths? Uh, what, What type of – player uh what do you bring to the table uh, uh what type of role do you envision for yourself in the nfl do you see do you see yourself as a better fit for a certain uh technique or a certain scheme whether it be three four four three tell us a little bit about your game what you bring to the table
1: well any team that draft me like any scheme three four four three it don't matter to me i'm gonna be a player that go out there uh learn what i have to do do what i have to do uh make plays um uh, win the Super Bowl, really. That's my goal. Get on the team, win the Super Bowl, lead the teams in sacks. So they're looking for a pretty productive player, um, powerful player, smart player, team leader. What's your
0: calling card? If you had to identify one thing, is it your athleticism? Is it your strength? What's your What's your number one trait? Would you say?
1: To my going toward the draft or.
0: Yeah, going to the draft. What's what's your calling card? If you're going to identify your game with one word, what would it be?
1: Uh, dominant player. Dominant.
0: All right. Dominant. I like that. I think everybody's always looking for that. Uh, so, now, you haven't got to – you weren't invited to the scouting comment. You were a snub, but you were at the NFL PA All-Star Game. So, uh, talk a little bit about your experience there that week, maybe what you learned, uh, and, and then I'm interested to hear from Josh what his thoughts were for, about you, because he was there, he saw you close up all week, so so let's get your take on it, and then we'll get Josh's take on you.
1: Well, um, the NFLPA game was a good game, good experience for me. I uh, met a lot of good coaches, a lot of good players, a lot of Hall of Famer coaches and stuff like that. I learned, like, good techniques. Um, I learned like how they call like different like we have like different schemes of how we call things. So they taught me like different schemes to call and um like the whole thing it really it was okay. I mean, I really loved it out there in California, that was my first time there. And um, Josh,
0: how did Grover do?
3: I uh, I mean I thought he had a great week. Um uh you know, I know for them it can be a little tough because there's a lot of teaching going on. Like he's talking about, you know, coaches are going over different schemes. But um, one of the things I said it before, he's a lunch bell guy. He showed up every day. He's not a, you know, he's not a big talker telling what he's going to do or running his mouth. He's a guy that can go out there, dominate. Like he said, he's a dominant. He wants to be a dominant player. That's his calling card. That's what he does. He push, pushes everybody around, you know, penetrates the pocket. He's strong. He's physical. Um, the, the, con- the big concern coming from Division Two: Can he do what he did on tape? Can he do it here? He did it there. Um, so I, you know, to me, if he doesn't get drafted after what he did there, that it will be a tragedy. I, I don't, I mean, I don't you know where to describe it. To me, you got to think that
0: happen. Yeah,
3: yeah. And if it's, I mean, if that happened, I mean. Lord help the offensive lineman he goes to training camp with because I I think if anything it's going to piss him off, um, so you know, um, but you know he, he's a heck of a player. He's a hard worker, and I, I mean I can tell you this too. The other thing I don't you know, and I think he would tell you this about himself too. He doesn't take he doesn't take plays off. Every, every time you look at him out there at practice and in the game, he was he was playing hard. He's not a guy that just comes up there and takes two plays off and then dominates one play. He's a guy that. He's consistently getting into the backfield, and um, you know, just a heck of a player. Um, I take him in a heartbeat. I think he's probably the one of the top three nose tackles in this draft. And, uh, you know, like you said, I mean, I if it was me, I'd personally take him in round four or five in a heartbeat. So,
0: a glowing review for Grover's performance in the P.A. Collegiate Bowl. Uh, now, Grover, no, it, was oh, really, it was
1: really good.
0: We're about a month away from the draft now, Grover. What's your schedule like? I imagine you're going to keep training, but are you meeting with teams? Uh, I imagine there's a little bit more work to do on you because you weren't in Indianapolis. Teams want to get a, a close and personal look at you.
1: Yes, sir. Um, well, I don't have, like, three teams workouts or private workouts. I got one Monday. Uh, I don't been to a team visit, and I got, like, about 12 more team visit lined up this month, so I'm really just ready for everything, prepared for any question they have, and put forth my best foot for them, so.
0: Is there uh, maybe one or two NFL teams that uh, you'd be willing to share, maybe you think are showing a little bit more interest in you than others?
1: I mean, like, I talked to all the guys that um, uh, reached out to me, like, all of them talking good, so like the teams that showing the most love, I, I really don't know. Like, they all on showing love. they saying they love me. They like my size. They like the way I move. So,
3: all right. Well, has anybody, well, let's has anybody, though? Well, uh-huh. let me ask you, well, let, me, let me think this one. Has there been a team that you saw more during the fall? Like, that, you know, you, they came through a couple of times during the fall. They they seem to like it. Then they talked to you at the PA Bowl, then they've had, you know, maybe they've got a workout and a visit. Has there been, like, one or two teams, though, that maybe throughout the whole time you've seen them more, you know, like they've they they they've been in more contact with you than every time you've been at, you know, a pro day, an all-star game, or, you know, visit, all that, and then back during the fall? But has there been anybody that you've seen every time every time you're out there or at, or at an event or, um, or you uh, know? Yes,
1: uh, uh, Temple Bay, um, who was it? Uh, Tennessee, the Dolphins. Uh, There's like a couple of them that I've seen like multiple times and they've been reaching out. Okay.
0: All right. So so let's wrap up with the countdown. Uh, get to know you a little bit better as a person. Uh, so number
1: three, what's your favorite movie? Um, I'm a cartoon guy, so – I really don't have a favorite movie, but I like watching Family Guy. I like watching a little Family Guy TV show. That'll work.
0: Uh, Number two, what's your guilty pleasure when it comes to music? Uh, Anything that your teammates would give you grief for if they caught you listening to?
1: Um, No, I I used to always listen to um, Gucci. Gucci Mane. All right.
0: Number one. What would you do with a free day away from football? You can do anything in the world except play football or anything involved with football. What would you do with your free day?
1: i will take my son to a theme park or take him to the beach, spend a day with him.
0: Sounds like a good plan. And last but not least, what do you love about the game of football?
1: I love you get to hurt people, man. I'm an aggressive (laughs) player, so I love to hurt people.
0: I like it. I like it. So so what are your plans for for the draft? Are you going to have a little family get together? Are you going to watch it by yourself? What what's your uh, plan?
1: Well, my plan was I wanted to watch it by myself, just at the house, chilling, watching it by myself, but um like my mom, she's trying to set up a couple things, so we probably have like a little party um at my school. Then we're going to have a party down here at my hometown.
0: Well, enjoy it, Grover. I think you're going to be happy on draft day. Uh, As you can tell, we're both big fans of your game. We think you're going to get drafted. and uh, Best of luck uh, not only in the draft, but going forward with your career.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you. All
0: right. Take care, Grover. All right. Uh, One of the more underrated prospects in this class, and and I, I think he's going to go higher than most realized. I don't think fourth or fifth rounds out of the round possibility uh even before his pro day workout i think i had him early in the fifth in my overall rankings. so um yeah he, he's a talented player and if you haven't seen him go check him out i, I guarantee you're going to come away impressed because uh he definitely looks the part and moves it and and you will not think he's a 347 pound man watching him because he, he does not uh this isn't a terence cody situation i guess is what i'm saying <laughs> no so not.
1: uh
0: so definitely josh there, there's a lot of uh Good players that we haven't talked about yet. We're running out of time. So let's just do kind of of, of some quick hits. You know, we'll spend maybe a minute on each of these guys. Uh, And one of the big names is Lorenzo Jerome, the safety out of St. Francis. Now, very good player. Um, I thought if he ran well, he had a chance to maybe sneak into day two, the latter part of day two. Um, He did not run well. (laughs) He ran in the four sevens. Uh, So it's a tough evaluation because he's such a – on film, he's a good player. He went to the NFLPA game. He had two interceptions in the game. He went to the senior bowl. He had two interceptions in the game. He gets the job done on the field, but that just a, almost a, to the point of a severe lack of time speed, um, probably going to be more of a late-round pick. I'm honestly not altering my evaluation that much on him. I think I still have him in, in, in the late fifth round, but um, probably going to slide into the sixth or seventh round now because of those poor testing numbers.
3: Yeah, yeah, he may go in drafting,
0: um, and if he does,
3: same thing with I would say about Grover. If he does, Lord help the, the other side of the ball when he goes into camp because he, he will have a really huge chip on his shoulder. Um, and, and I know Kerry, I think he's a good player. Um, you know, I would be shocked if he went earlier than the sixth round right now just because of the uh, testing. But um, he's got great ball skills. He's smart. He's a good return guy. I think he can come in and play special teams and be good on special teams right away. So, um, you know, I, I, we knew he wasn't fast. You know, you and I had talked about that before. i said that to everybody. I, sure. I, I didn't think fast. well. I, I, in fact, when people were saying, I had people telling me to go in the fourth round, and I was saying, oh, he's probably going to go six, seven because he's not going to run that great. I always had that concern. So, um, it doesn't It's just like with that. Tough. It's kind of
0: baked into the cake with the evaluation. You, you kind of already yeah. factored that in.
3: Yeah, you know, you're going to get it, but heck of a football player. And um, if you like guys that can create turnovers and make big plays, uh, he, he's a guy for you. And I think if you take him in the seventh round, you'll get really good value because I think he'll play for a while. He'll be a two contract guy in that
0: league. So All right, let's talk about a couple edge guys. Uh, we'll start with Keontae Davis from Chattanooga, a defensive end, a productive player. And, and I enjoyed watching him play because he's not necessarily the most physically talented guy in the world in terms of the size and the athleticism, but. Uh, it does all the little things. He has a very nuanced game. He has a great motor. Uh, I like Keontae Davis. Uh, I think I had him a, a mid round grade, but uh, I believe you. There's some maybe some health concerns that, that could affect his stock. And so I guess it just what, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on Davis? And uh, maybe talk a little bit about if you think maybe he gets pushed down a little bit because of some medicals
3: yeah um you know he had the spine issue at the combine the doctors wouldn't let him walk out he worked at a pro day ran in the four sevens which i think he plays more like a four eight five four nine zero oh guy so that was good for him yeah um uh, good player to watch he's a pretty strong guy he plays with good strength at the point of attack um he was a guy that i was thinking was probably a 6-7 uh you know maybe he sneaks into five if the medical turns out well but uh I, I haven't had this confirmed to me. My guess is he's going to be uh, sent to Indianapolis for a recheck. Um, if everything comes out fine, I think he probably goes in the fifth round. This is this is where you know we we everybody on the outside can be very off on draft day because the teams won't even have access to, to know exactly how you know what his deal is until the week of the draft. So if he goes undrafted, rest assured it's the fine. If he does not go undrafted, he goes in the fifth sixth round, or maybe even the late fourth round, then you know that he is completely healthy. Um, so, uh, and I'm hoping that I see his name pop up in the top 150, because that will tell me that he is completely healthy. But, like I say, if he falls, I'll let you know that there was something there, and there's there's heavy concern from clubs.
0: Well, on the other edge guy, I wanted to make sure we got in with Dylan Donahue from West Georgia. Um, just a uh, I mean, here again, you talk about effort and motor, like with Davis. Uh, Donahue has that even to a, a higher degree, I think. Uh, very, very productive. And, and I still think there's a chance he could sneak into the fifth round. It wouldn't shock me, but I think he will be drafted. Uh, and I, I think, you know, if, if Tyler Starr was drafted, I think Donahue is a better player than Tyler Starr was. And he was a seventh round pick uh, a few years ago. So what are your thoughts on Donahue?
3: Well, man, I'll have to be drafted. I'm a little of the. Um... You know, the concern here for Donahue, um, I mean, first of all, the good thing is a high-motor guy, smart guy, great character. You know, you love him um, on and off field in that regard. He's highly productive. Uh, his motor is what gets him a lot of plays. The, the, the downside, not extremely long, going to probably have to be an outside linebacker. You don't know quite how he's going to do in space yet, um, in, you know, in a game situation because he was a defensive end for West Georgia. But, um, you know, highly productive guy. Uh, would, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he fell undrafted and then played for a while in that league, but it also wouldn't shock me if someone took him in like the fifth round. Um, I think he's a better player than Tyler Starr, and I like Tyler Starr. So, um, you know, I think I had Star as a seventh round, sixth, seventh round projection. Um, you know, I, you know, I can say I fear Donnie, he's going to go later than I would take him. So where I have him rated is more of where I'm kind of thinking he'll end up going. I actually think he's a better player than that. Um, But I I do know there's concern there because, you know, lack of length to play defensive end and then going to have to change positions.
0: Well, let's talk about offensive tackles too here quickly because that's a position where it's it's one of the weak points of the 2017 NFL draft. So maybe teams could look to the small school ranks for some – some uh, alternatives Uh, and my top rated tackle is Julianne Dabcourt from Bucknell. Although the more I've watched him and this process has played out, I guess I've become a little bit less and less impressed. I know he has some big fans Uh, at one point. I thought maybe he could sneak into the third round, fourth round, but to me now he's more of a late round developmental guy Definitely looks the part. He uh, reminds me physically of Antonio Garcia, who's probably going to be a day two pick. He's got that tall linear frame, almost built like a power forward in basketball uh, reminds me a little bit of TJ Clemmings coming out of uh, college where all the pieces are there. He just hasn't quite put it together yet, but didn't necessarily stand out at the senior bowl um, and didn't work out incredibly well. He's a, re- he's a good player. I think you draft him as a developmental blocker in the late rounds, but uh I'll be interested to hear your take on him, Josh, because I know there's maybe one, at least one, maybe even another two offensive tackles that you don't think there's that big of a difference from with Davenport, uh, and one of them being uh, uh, of, of Javarius Lemon from South Carolina State. But in particular, I know you like uh, you're a big fan of Jerry Ugakwe from William and Mary.
3: Well, you know, here's the thing: I think there's upside with with Davenport. You know, right when you consider his background, the the issue with Davenport is, and I'm not saying, you know, I don't want to make it seem like, because I don't think Ugakwe is like a fourth-round guy or a fifth-round guy, but if you look at Ugakwe and you look at Davenport, there's really not much of a difference. Um, I think the basketball background of Davenport is the difference, but neither one of them tested very well. They're not a great athlete. They're stiff. They both um, are tall, long guys that need a lot of development. I think they're the ideal developmental, set, like, sixth, seventh-round picks, ideally really in the seventh round. But there's in some people that were thinking, well, Davenport's going to go. Like, if you talk to Davenport's agent, he thinks he's going in the second or third. And I think that would be awful for that kid because, like I say, first three rounds, you want starters. Be and be I don't think he's a starter right now. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's a really big expectation, Trim. I think the best thing that can happen to him is if someone gets him in like the sixth or seventh round, let him basically be an inactive player on the 53 his rookie year, maybe get in a little bit as a backup, some, and then really the goal should be his second or third year. To maybe be the number three tackle on the roster, and then after that maybe start. I just you know I just think there's a lot of work. They're not saying he can't do it. Maybe he he does it faster. I mean that's possible. I mean we could all you know that's very possible. But I'm just saying you know if 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 I have a playoff team you know, I don't expect him to start for me early on. And I think if you take him in the third or even the fourth round, there's a look. you know, unless you've got a, a, you know, two, unless you're really investing in the future and you've got two starters already, you know, it, you know, but most of the time if you're taking him in the third round, you're looking for a starter. And I just I just don't think he's a starter right now. But uh, he's very smart, got high upside, very coachable, I, I you know, um, I'm not trying to hate on him, but i do think that you know you got Davenport um and you got Ugakwe, who's very similar to him, and i just I've always said you know the di- really the difference right now is one of them played basketball and went to the senior bowl, the other one did not went to the n f l p a but as far as resume they're the same player um so and Ugakwe got a lot better throughout his career, you know I think I didn't see that he was a guy that you know. It's frightening. He was a walk on who developed into an All American by his senior year. So he's a guy that's gotten a lot better as well.
0: So many players we haven't even got around to. We've been talking here for an hour and a half and still haven't got to everybody. So let's do a little thing here where we'll each pick three players and we'll alternate naming them and maybe giving a a one or two sentence description about them, why we want to highlight them. So I'll start off and give a little bit of a template here and then you can go next. I'll say Chad Williams, wide receiver from Grambling. I thought he was uh, one of the top three, four, five biggest snubs from this year's scouting combine, performed really well on the all-star circuit, uh, worked out extremely well. Uh, Chad Williams wasn't at the scouting combine, but he's going to get drafted. I think it's just a matter of, of how early. So I definitely want to get his name in there. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if he went a round or two earlier than you even expected, considering how, how well he's done the past few months.
3: Yeah, he looked really good at pro day, actually, and he was good at the NFL PA game. Um, interesting you say that, though. I, you know, I'm little, I'm going to try to actually focus on guys that weren't at the combine. Everybody knows the combine guys. I'm going to pick players because, you know, you know, we all know like Tariq Cohen of North Carolina A&T, Corey Levin, Chattanooga, D'Angelo Henderson, Coach, all these guys are, you know, good players. We, we know them, Krishan Hogan, American. I'm going to go with the guy that was not there um, and one that to keep an eye on, David Jones of Richmond, really good junior year, tested real well, ran a 4-4 at the um, pro day, uh, missed most of the senior year because of a broken arm. I believe he would have been at, at a major all-star game and the combine, if not for that. But he, he's a guy that did not go to Indy, and, and I think with his ball skills and his measurables, he could be a guy that someone takes late, um, knowing that, that they're you know, hoping to get the 2015 version of
0: him that was going to be my next name too. Uh, I, I liked him as well. Uh, so, so good pick there. And, and, and I think he has draftable tape. It just comes all comes down to the medical with David Jones. Uh, and that's the X factor there. Uh, for my next guy, I'm going to go with, uh, Fordham tight end phase Odom, another guy, this probably way off the radar. He's not going to get drafted, but, uh, if I were running a team, he'd be a free agent. I'd be targeted, bring into a camp, uh, a little stiff, but he's got a big frame. He's six eight, two fifty. Enough athleticism, good hands. Uh, he can be a threat in the red zone. So I, I like Faison. Von Faison Odom as a, maybe a an, a priority free agent uh, developmental tight end.
3: Yeah, that's that's a pretty good one. This is a really good tight end class. So no, right. um, you know, uh, so you know, a guy like him might actually go you know would get drafted in other years um i tell you another. well i could throw in,
0: i could cheat and throw in Derek griffin from texas southern as well another small school tight end uh, no, he don't was a don't if, if, if you've
3: seen his pro day you wouldn't be throwing his name out there it was not good um really <laughs> but, uh, yeah no, fair enough, fair enough. Was, it was his pro day was really bad uh, uh yeah really bad in fact it's uh he he. Uh, it, it's it. he doesn't need to tell people he was a five-star recruit. Let's put it that way. It won't not yeah. make those rankings look very good. It was I felt bad for him actually. Um, I'm gonna go with, and I'm not trying to stick with the NFLPA. I promise, because my last one won't be, but I will throw Dylan Cole, linebacker from Missouri State, a little bit undersized. He's six foot two thirty-three, but he tested off the charts at pro day. Um, highly productive guy. Um, run sideline to sideline. You can you see the athletic ability there. It wouldn't shock me if he goes late, and if he does not go late in draft, he will make a roster as an undrafted free agent. He's a really good football player.
0: All right. For my last pick, I'm going to go with Javancy Jones, outside linebacker from Jackson State. Not does, not a great athlete. Uh, not any standout aspects of the game, but just a good player, more of a power player, a thumper, maybe a Courtney Upshot, 4 mans Courtney Upshot type. So, uh, Javante Jones impressed me with what he did to East West Shrine Game, so that's my last name I'll throw up okay
3: I'm going to mention four players here but one is the one I'm going to highlight the reason I'm going to mention the other three is because they're under the radar guys and I've heard there's buzz and then they may go like late in this draft but the one that I I don't think he's got any shot of getting drafted but he's the one that I really think we need to highlight um, keep an eye on Brad Seaton at Villanova stiff guy but 6'8 6'9 uh, he's a bad tackle class wouldn't be surprised there Another one off the radar is um, the, um, is the uh, cornerback from New Hampshire, Casey DeAndre, highly productive guy. I actually think he'll be a safety in the pros. He's good. Um, and, you know, keep an eye on too. Uh, don't be surprised if Alec Tor- Torgensen is playing the East-West game from Penn. This is a very thin quarterback class. Maybe someone takes him. But keep an eye on this name. This is the one. Highlight. Matt Davis from UNC Pembroke. Six foot, one hundred ninety pounds, very off the radar player this year. He hit eighty four percent. Yes, he is a field goal kicker. Hit eighty four percent of his field goals. He hit a long of fifty eight yards. He also punted, um, averaging forty one yards per punt with a long of seventy eight yards. He can kick, kick off, and punt. Great leg, accurate kicker. Keep an eye on him. He will not get drafted. I don't think it would shock me if he did. However, he'll be a priority free agent, and I, and I predict that he will make a ball club. He was probably the best kicker that nobody knows about, and he should have been in an All Star game. All right,
0: let's close with some quick hit things here. Uh, most underrated small school prospect in this draft. I think it's Grover Stewart. I mean, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought he should have been at the senior Bowl, to be honest with you. Um, uh, but I'll go with him. As from All right. small school yeah. How about the him. other side? How about the other side? Most overrated small school prospect in this class.
3: I think it's been Julian Davenport.
0: I never saw a top 100 picking
3: him ever, and um, and I've heard that. So if he if he does go that high, I would say it would be
0: him. If, if what small school prospect that is likely to go undrafted would you bet on to be a pro bowler if you had to pick one guy to bet on?
3: Ooh, that's, that's an interesting one. Undrafted.
0: Um, hmm. I mean, there's going to be
3: one, especially from uh, that didn't go to the combine. There, there always is. Um, hmm. I got to think about this. Ah, I might cheat. This might be a little bit of a cheat because he should have been at the combine. I'm going to go David Jones of Richmond (laughs) because David Jones is safety with those ball skills that's, you know, that's that's worth, uh, that is, that's worth taking late and a guy that maybe, maybe develops into a a good safety for you.
0: All right. Uh, And just on a macro level, this crop of small school prospects, uh, how would you rate it? average below average above average however you want to quantify it scale one to ten just kind of put in perspective for us whether it's or maybe even by how many players usually get drafted how many you think will be drafted this year just kind of quantify the quality of the small school class
3: um i think it's a really good back end and late rounds group i think um, just top of the draft, we got two like outstanding. Like the top two, I think is as good as you're going to find in a draft class. Just about those first two, but then I think there's a drop off. And so I would say this is an average class solely because um, I think rounds three and four and early in round five, there's not as much as you like in terms of you know not saying they won't get drafted, but guys that you like. But um, I say this is an average group. But, you know, at the top, though, I mean, it's – you won't find a better a – it'd be hard to find a better one-two than what you've got this year. So, um, I just think it depends on where you're drafting. But I don't expect more than, like, four guys to go in the top 100. And usually it's, what, like five or six in the top 100? Was what,
0: five in the top 100?
3: I'm thinking it's going to be more like three or four this year. So.
0: And the average drafted is – Was it around twenty five thirty
3: somewhere in that range for small school? Yeah, I think I think it used to be thirty. It's it's been twenty five lately, and I think um, right now it's actually dropped down to like twenty. Is it twenty three now? It dropped because um, the last
0: all these all these schools are moving up. They're becoming Division One programs. Well, yeah, a lot of that. But you know, just
3: if you look at like the last few drafts, and back in what 2016, there was 23 total. In 2015, it was 20. In 2014, it was 25. And in 2013, it was 30. Take out 13, a lot of teams have moved up. I actually think that the you know it's gonna. I think it's gonna really you know be 23, 22. You know, right now the three-year average is 22 and a half, so 23. I think it's going to be sitting in that 20 to 23 range um, consistently. I would be very surprised if
0: we saw 30 this year. All right. I think it's going to be
3: closer to the 20 range.
0: Last question. Of course, anybody who follows the NFL draft is all about the future, so I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to give me one name to watch out for next year. It doesn't have to necessarily be your top guy. Just just give us one small school prospect for the 2018 NFL draft that maybe we should start getting excited about, or that you're excited about. can
3: he can he be a reject that I think everybody's got ready for roll line and he's actually not that good? I can't mess. With, no, can I, I, I mean, it doesn't like. be no, a guy. Let's, let's like. keep it on
0: the positive. <laughs> give us give us somebody you like. Oh, <laughs> uh, somebody I
3: like. Um, there's so many out there. Uh, I should think next year's class is going to be really good. I tell you what I like, and this is a little bit of a cheat because he was supposed to be in this class, so he's very well known. Um, is Nick DeLuca from North Dakota State. He's you know, 6'3", 240-plus pounds. He's not extremely fast. He's probably going to run like high 4'7", low 4'8", but he is a smart player. He's a good tackler. He's highly productive. I think DeLuca is, is, a, is a real good one. He's going to be coming off injury. He got hurt in tore his labrum uh, in game one, had uh, season-ending shoulder surgery. But um, he's tough, too. He played two games after that. He had, like, 26 tackles, two for loss, a pick, returned for a touchdown and three hurries and a pass breakup in three games. And uh, two of those two-and-a-half quarters, over I mean two-and-a-half games, he had a torn labrum. So, um, I'll go with him.
0: All right, excellent. Uh, and, and if anybody wants to follow you, Josh, they can do so on Twitter. And your handle is at JoshNFLDraft. And uh, once again, you can go to draftcountdown.com and check out. I currently have uh, posted exclusively Josh top, Josh's top 250 small school prospects for this draft. Uh, uh, so for, check out the, the top 250 from The Authority when it comes to small school sleepers. Josh, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it as always.
3: Oh, I appreciate it, Scott. Thanks for, thanks for having me. All
0: right. And with that, we're going to call it a show. And as always, there are 27 days, 5 hours, 23 minutes, and 16 seconds left until the 2017 NFL Draft. Tick.